everyone. Welcome back to Totally Unprompted. I'm super excited for this episode because today I have the most special of guests, my grandfather, William, Dr. William E. Silver, more commonly known as Billy Silver. But if you wanted to go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody, I feel like those who know you they know you, but for those who have not been so lucky to have met you. Well, Sean, you're, you're very sweet. Uh, this is quite a, uh, a wonderful experience for me because it's uh, such an honor to be sitting here with, with you, my granddaughter, and to be able to share ideas and thoughts uh, to um, let you know what an honor it is for me to uh, work with you on your project, on your podcast, and I would be happy to share any thoughts that you might want me to give to you or into your uh, your friends who listen to your podcast. So if you'll st- kind of start out and ask me anything or, yeah, um, you know, obviously I was, you know, born here in Atlanta, or native. Atlanta and the unusual part is my mother is also a native of Atlanta so if someone asked me if I lived in Atlanta all my life <laughs> I tell them not yet but, right <laughs> but anyway um, I uh, grew up here went to uh, grammar school here high school here I uh, had all the fun that anyone could have in a in a community high school community grammar school and even today, still have friends that I went to high school with who are still around, even at my age of 85. <laughs> uh, but I was fortunate that uh, all my friends, we got in a good group, and I went to college at, uh, at Emory. And I knew when I was very young that I was going to be a doctor. As you know, your great-grandfather was a dentist. And at first, I thought maybe I might go into dentistry. Um, and then as it got a little closer, I uh, uh, met uh, his brother, who was a plastic surgeon. And I was really very excited about what he did. And as a, as a kid, one of my hobbies was photography. So I used to take his pre- and post-op pictures of uh, his patients uh, he lived in New York, but he would operate in Atlanta during the uh, Christmas holidays. And I got to see the exciting part that these people had when uh, they came in for their post-op pictures and how excited they were. And I knew right then and there at age 12 or 13, that's what I was going to do. So sure enough, I finished college at Emory and went on to the Medical College of Georgia and uh, graduated there in uh, 63 and uh, then did my internship residency in New York uh, at Mount Sinai and at NYU, and then uh, went into the Army. Before that, I was very fortunate enough to meet your grandmother on a blind date in New York just after I graduated from college, and I think it was kind of like love at first sight. Uh, we, uh, we met and, and met her like in April or May and she came down to visit me in the summer of that year. And then I went up to see her in December of that year. And by February, I called her on the phone and surprised her around 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and asked her to marry me. 
So we were married that July. <clears throat> surprised her. Um, it, it that. <laughs> but it is maybe it was, surprised yourself a little bit too. What yeah. You'd uh, you asked me one time what was the craziest thing I'd ever done, and I guess the craziest thing I ever done was waiting a year to get married. <laughs> But so uh, and we've been married now, going on sixty-three years. That's amazing. And happened to have five beautiful, really respectful grandchildren. And as I, as I said, you're my favorite granddaughter. Thank you. Let uh, the record show, Poppy does only have one granddaughter, but <laughs> I still take pride that I'm a uh, favorite. <laughs> but anyway, um, the uh, the good part about having been born here in Atlanta and lived here for most of my life except when I went away to do my internship and residency and go into the army. Uh, I've come back to many of my friends who are still around here um, and we stay in close touch with each other. Um, and, I, and I think that that makes you younger when you're around your grandchildren and your daughter's friends, and as a result, I feel very fortunate that even at the old age of 85, I feel very comfortable being with my with your mother's friends and even your friends. Uh, we're, we're fortunate we have a lake house that's a great retreat, and you've uh, blessed us with having a lot of your friends come up there. As many as about 20 at one time. I know. I mean, I've been so lucky to even have, that you let me have that many people up there at one time. But I definitely know that everyone who talks to you feel this, the exact same way. I mean, they feel like 85 to me is young. You know, I talk to people and they're like, oh, my grandparents, you know, they're... And I'm like, 85 to me is young because that's how <laughs> you and Mana are, you know. Like, you're so able to relate to anybody, but... You, you don't, well, you know. Yeah, well, that's, that's nice. Uh, the, uh, I think, you know, if I were to share my thoughts to some of the younger generation, yeah. I think the key to um, a happy life, a good life, is to literally think of your life as making a plan. Okay. And when you think about the plan, think of the things that you like to do, that you want to do, and do the things that will get you to that goal. So in other words, I use the word plan, but you really should have a goal. Mm -hmm. And once you have the goal, the goal shouldn't be what someone else wants, but is what you want. And um, it, it's important that you uh, be begin as early as you can to think on your own. Use examples of those around you to emulate, but make sure you pick the right, the right ones. Right. And in today's times, it's very important, but to be able to understand all aspects of everyone's different feelings and not be, uh, not be a, a sheep and just follow what the majority might say to do, mm -hmm. doesn't mean you want to be a contrarian. Right. But when you have the goal, then, of course, you set your mind to it. I think you have to have kind of a, in, in, uh, in, a real uh, inspiration to continue and, and go forward with that and let it blend in with your friends and, and your life.
But I think the perseverance going towards that goal makes you a much better person. And in my case, it was to go into medical school and go yeah. into medicine. And I was very fortunate. I practiced for 25, uh, for 53 years and loved it. And if I had to do it over again, I would do the same thing. Yeah. And uh, so I think some of those are the ideas that you want to give and express to some of the younger people around. And, and I think having these goals and, and having the perseverance gives you a happy life because of the things that you've chosen. And, and that's really what you want to do. Um, and, uh, you know, I think still that everyone should begin to try to, uh, to adopt is to make sure that you try and understand your friends. In other words, it's not that you want your friends to understand you. Mm -hmm. It's that you want to understand your friends. And this way, it makes them much more um, uh, a person that you want to be with. Yes. And, and that, that's, that's kind of a very important thing uh, to, to, to do. Um, you know, you asked me before some of the things I like to do. Yeah. And, of course, uh, I've been very fortunate, having just retired, you know, four or five months ago, I've gone back to taking up golf somewhat seriously, playing three or four times a week. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun, and I wasn't sure because I practiced so long, and yeah. that was my life, uh, to be able to uh, get rid of that professional aspect. Yeah. But it's been a very, very fun experience. That's great I don't have any, any regrets of retiring, and I don't have any regrets of what I did before that. But fortunately, I got health enough now to enjoy the things that I always liked to do before but didn't have the time. Right. And then before we move on, I just have a question. I feel like right now, my sort of other episodes and things we've talked about is just a lot of people who are my age are in a different sort of life transition, whether that be from high school to college, college to postgrad. How was like wrapping your head around that transition of retiring? Like, I know you're saying you're enjoying it, but was that intimidating at all or how did you sort of deal with that well you know you comparing you know going from uh, you know college possibly to postgraduate work and then from there into a an occupation mm -hmm. um and how would that compare to me having gone through all the training and then practice and then going to retirement uh i think the retirement is not necessarily the same as going into your occupation or your life's desire after college or graduate work. Yeah, it's uh, they're not the quite the same because one is kind of a freedom-like situation. Mm -hmm. The other one is something you want to create challenges right. so you can solve them. Um, and so I, I look at it as a life change. Right. But I think it's important that you recognize that it is a life change and it's not going to be the same of what you had before. Right. But it doesn't have to be any less rewarding. And that's why you want to pick something that you feel comfortable in doing. And it's not necessarily that you go pick the one thing that you're going to do for the right. rest of your life. 
but at least start out in an area that you think you will enjoy. And now that I'm, re you know, in the retirement age, uh, it's it's really, I think, truthfully, it's probably allowed me to spend more time with um, your grandmother, uh, whereas I was working so much before. Yeah. Uh, she may not like it as much I know, as me spending that. that much time with her, <laughs> but I've spent more time with her, you know, since I retired yeah. than ever before, even though I'm away playing golf often. But, well, trust me, she's got a thousand other things that she's doing, too, <laughs> so she wouldn't even be around. <laughs> which, which, you know, another thing that you have to consider is, you know, uh, picking uh, a, a mate. Yeah. Uh, someone made the statement of how do you handle stress in life? Mm -hmm. And I can answer that in three words, in, in, in uh, two words, how to handle stress in life, whatever you do whether it's in medicine, whether it's in a job. And those two words are marry well. And so as a result, that was one of the things that I was able to do that, that helped me remove much of life's stresses. So a lot of it I, I really owe to your grandmother. That's so sweet. She allowed me not only to share with her my grandchildren and my children, but she allowed me to express fully my interest in, in my profession. And without that, you know, give and take, uh, I probably would not have reached the goals that I have set, you know, for myself. And, you know, just as I mentioned, it was an honor. You know, how many people can sit here and say, hey, I'm talking to my granddaughter who's graduated from University of Georgia with honors and uh, and being able to uh, just on a fun afternoon sit here and talk with her about her her desires in life and mine, and so you know how much luckier can you be? I know. I mean, I feel the same way. That one. I mean, I can brag about you forever. I feel like I tell my whenever you come up in conversation, there's just infinite things that there are to say about you and it's not only in your profession but you know that you are so involved in my life and I feel so so lucky that I mean that's what you and Mana were a really big reason why I chose to go to Georgia why I didn't look for jobs really outside of Atlanta because I mean y'all are here and oh, you know y'all it's true I mean y'all really are so important to me and it's important to me that we get to be around and we get to do this and have these conversations and well that's that's wonderful I, I mean that makes me feel even better that I, I, I'm, I'm hearing you say that you enjoy being with me almost as much as I enjoy being with you <laughs> but anyway uh, we, I guess we're considered that pretty lucky uh, yeah. from that point of view you know one of the questions you had asked me before about what uh, uh, how, how did being a physician uh, impact my view on life and humanity and again I think I was very fortunate that I knew what I wanted to do when I was very young yeah so it wasn't like I was floundering around I had an objective very young I knew that when I started college and so forth but I think being a physician from my point of view which may be different from young physicians today but mm -hmm. at that time I felt I was joining a unique group that 
had a special mission. Yeah. And I've never given up that feeling. Uh, there was only one very important person in my office, and that was my patient. And it never varied. It never, it never occurred to me there was anything different. And, you know, from that aspect of it, uh, it gave me a certain uh, feeling of humanity in the sense that you met every level of individual in, in our society having been in medicine that long. Yeah. Uh, and so it gave me, a, a, in my mind, kind of a unique uh, inroad to looking at all aspects of human life. And it gave me the respect uh, of individuals because every patient I had was a, an individual. And, uh, and so it was, it was uh, I think, being a uh, physician helped me appreciate, you know, humanity from, from, uh, from that aspect of, of uh, being, having worked in a factory or something of that nature. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think it's amazing. And also, I have a lot of friends who, I mean, you've spoken to a lot of them, but who are either in medical school right now or intending to go to medical school or studying for MCAT, things like that. And all of them who have come out of conversations with you have been like, he has, like, you have said exactly how they have felt, their, why they want to be a physician versus a PA or why they want to be a doctor. And you saying you're like this has been my experience and this is what I've learned about being patient focused and being not only patient focused but being patient with people and understanding where they're coming from and you really solidified their feelings about going into medical school and I think well, that's, that's really I insane. remember uh, a couple of your friends one was applying one was uh, studying to get to the level of making application to medical school and they both impressed me with the idea that they started out that way. And if I were to give them suggestions, my suggestion is don't change that attitude because of outside pressures, which I think when I came along, you know, that many years ago, mm -hmm. 55, 60 years ago, you know, going back to medical school, we had a, a, a more freedom of thinking. Okay. Whereas today, there's many more pressures uh, put on to physician learning and physician practicing today. Um, and I think that it has, it has certain merits in the sense that you can learn a lot more quicker because of the internet and the computers. Right. But I'm not saying, I don't know if it doesn't take away a little bit of the direct contact with the patients. Now, if I didn't have the direct contact with my patients, I would have lost my identity in, in medicine. But there are other fields of medicine where you don't necessarily deal with live patients. You're dealing with x-rays or, or you know, laboratories right, or stuff like that. Like but the thing that I see today is where you have involvement with government and industry and uh, businesses that put pressure on physicians true, that yeah. unfortunately I think maybe take away some of the um, direct relationship that a doctor has with a patient. It becomes more of a an assembly line, a factory. Mm -hmm. And my advice that I would give to these younger students, 
is hopefully to bypass that in their thinking and get the contact with the patients. And that's, I think that's what gives you the happiness when you, when you go into yeah. a medical practice. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I think that's awesome advice considering a lot of our conversations that I feel like I have with my friends who are in that process. It's like, wow, I've got X amount more years of schooling and work and it's, I can't even imagine how daunting it is, but I think that's such a great point. They're like, if you can draw back in onto what is important, then it gives you that motivation. So what other things would you like to talk about that we can share and, and, uh, yeah, well, I know I gave you some questions and you've kind of even interviewed yourself, which I think is awesome. (laughs) Um, we talked about, you talked about your friendships and how you had a great group growing up in Atlanta, and I definitely know you and Mana as people to have an abundance of friends. Have you talked to anybody in Atlanta? They're like, oh my gosh, Dr. Silver, Susan, of course I know them. You know, everybody <laughs> knows you and everybody loves you. And I was wondering if there was a particular friendship or any sort of takeaway that you have from whether that be a particular friendship or the impact of friendship in your life. And I know you touched on that um, a little bit, but I'm someone who yeah, you know, is very important to me. It, it's an interesting thing. What's really great when you're married mm-hmm. that your wife can have her friends and I can have my friends, but the beautiful part is when we both have a similar or, or the same friends together. Yeah. And Mana and I, your grandmother and I, were very fortunate that we had a handful of very close friends. And it's interesting about our group of friends, mm-hmm. and we used to laugh about this, all of us were married to the same spouses, <laughs> which in today's times is, is not so common. Yeah. Um, but there were about five of us, five couples, and one of them I went through medical school with, and Manna, that his wife became Manna's closest friend. And I would say that he was if I could put down one of my closest friends. It's hard to say the closest because you can't divide love and friendship. It's all or nothing, and you give it all to to your friends. But this uh, four or five couples that we had um, were uh, people that we started out together, and we still are together, and unfortunately we've lost a couple of those who have lost their spouses to uh, lung cancer or uh, something of that nature. And we've still maintained that closeness. And you know that in your life, you're very fortunate. If you can say, I've got five close couple friends, that we've all maintained that closeness for that many years, and I'm going to say those many years are probably close to over 45 years. And, um, you know, 
I guess the most beautiful part about it is that I'm talking about them is they're my closest friends. I have no doubt in my mind that I would be considered one of their closest friends. And that's that's the kind of relationship you really want to have. Yeah. Uh, and you know at some point it's going to drift and you're going to lose another one and another one. But we, through the years, we've been fortunate to have that, that many couple friends. Mm -hmm. And that friendship, the interesting part about it, is because of the fact we kind of all started out together, their children now right. are my, our children's mm -hmm. ages. So you knew their children like your own relatives. As a matter of fact, some of them still call me Uncle Billy. Right. Or Aunt Susan. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of friendship that you want to have where you now know their children. And you've known them so long, you now know their grandchildren. Yeah. And, and we, you know, you share holidays together. And like I say, you, ha you, you share a lot of uh, simplers, a lot of happy occasions together. Unfortunately, you do have to share some of the sad things. But we're all there, and we all know each other, and we've all been involved with all aspects of our lives. And that's what having friends mean, you know, from that, from that point of view. Yeah. I mean, even I, I hadn't really sort of thought about how those friendships have impacted me, but, I mean, you talk about it, and you're right. They're kids, and their grandkids and now I'm friends with your friend's grandkids so much growing up I thought we were related until only getting older and realizing like oh we're actually not cousins but we're still going to tell everyone that we're cousins because that's how it felt growing up yeah yeah which is so amazing um, and sort of we talked about friendship and I mean obviously you speak so highly of mana it's so amazing and so sweet and I know sometimes it doesn't always feel like that but is there any advice that you would have for younger people who are either in relationships, looking to get in relationships, like how do you feel like you have been able to maintain such a strong relationship? You've been married for this long and despite, you know, you said marry well, but what do you, what would you think is the key to, not that there has to be one? Well, you know, I think that first of all, it's a question that I think that every uh, couple or anticipating marriage should think about. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you should look at it that you don't want to marry someone that you want to live with. You want to marry someone who you cannot live without. Or you, yeah. that's that's a key. But I think in picking a spouse, I think you need to be able to share your ideas and your goals so that they're not in conflict. Okay. And if you know they're not in conflict, you as an individual have to be sure that you're not, a, you're not going to interfere with their goals. And then in turn, you want to make sure they're not going to interfere with your own goals. And with that in mind, you start out at least building a platform. Now, I, I can tell you being married 63 years, it's not something that's roses and peaches. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, you do have your fights, but when you know it is going to be permanent, then you don't have to worry about 
the consequences of disagreements. Yeah. Because you know that they're going to come back around and form a, another obstacle just to overcome. And obviously you have to be have to have both of you that want to do that. Of course. But if you set out those goals, then it's easier when you get out of line when you, as a couple right. to bring it back in line. And I think that the advice I would give for the younger people is to make sure that you start out with that goal in mind that it is forever. It's so easy today to get a divorce. I, you know, I've talked to some people that whose kids were divorced and asked, well, why'd they get divorced? And the answer would be, well, I just got tired of that person. <laughs> well, if you think getting tired of that person was something feasible before you got married, then probably you ought to wait a little bit longer. Yeah. But I know today that marriages don't last as long as they did in my day. And I think that another thing you look at is when you do pick a spouse, has your spouse's parents stay together? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that the likelihood of you marrying someone whose parents are together when you get married, that that is an indication that your marriage itself may last longer. And I look at my two children, and ironically speaking, I didn't pick their spouses, right? but both of their spouses' parents were married for, with one, you know, it just the same marriage right. when they got married. And I think that's, that's something that's, that's uh, something you'd look at. It's not necessarily the end all. Right. Uh, but anyway, that's something that you look at. Uh, and like I say, I would venture to say that over 50% of marriages don't, don't uh, work out. Right. It was, I'll tell you a story, and I don't know whether your father ever mentioned it to me. Um, your father being my, my favorite son-in-law. <laughs> Once again, his only son-in-law. <laughs> but he came to me in my office mm -hmm. to ask for my blessings to marry my daughter, your mother, Wendy. And I sat there. I knew he was there for a reason. I knew that was the reason. And I said to him, Mark, I said, this is, you, you could go ask him, and he'll remember it, I'm sure. I said, Mark, do you want to get involved in a business that has a greater than 50% chance of failing. And he just kind of grinned at me. And he says, I'll assure you, I'm not going into it that it'll be a failure. And so I felt comfortable yeah. in saying, you have my blessing. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. I'll tell you an interesting story. Uh, when I uh, got married, we got married in your grandmother's house in Connecticut in their backyard. Yeah, I saw. She showed me when I went to go visit. And uh, after the wedding was over, and Matt and I were getting ready to go on our honeymoon, I'll never forget the picture of her mother, my mother-in-law, Sally was her name, 
came up to me and she had beautiful fingernails. Mm -hmm. And the fingernails were painted red. And she stuck out her index finger. <laughs> and she said to me, you better take care of my daughter or else. And I remember it to this day. But we were very fortunate because I was very close to her parents and emulated a lot of things that her father did in his business. And his father was her father, my father-in-law, Lou, was probably one of the most ethical, smart businessmen that I knew. And he was well thought of in the community and he had a great business and he took care of his children and, and wanted to make sure that they were taken care of. So um, I don't know how the original question you asked me about, but... Uh, no, I think you totally answered it. <laughs> and then some. I mean, that's, you know, the questions are more guidelines, but... But, but I think picking, you know, getting married is obviously, you have to look at it forever. Right. And if you don't look at it forever, even in today's times, it may not be. And for your children, you would like for it to be forever. Of course. I can tell you right now, there's no such thing as a happy divorce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Um, so sort of shifting a little bit, and we sort of touched on your career and your life, and you have so, so many things to be proud of. And if there, but I wanted, I was curious if there was anything that you look back on your life and you're like, this is something that I feel particularly good about. And we can look at professional and we can look at family or you can, you know, lump well, that into one. It's but. interesting you, you asked that and you phrased it, you phrased it very well in the sense that I separate my professional life from my family Absolutely. life. I've shared with you the proud feeling I have for what my family has turned out. And that you can't substitute with anything. Mm -hmm. Every one of my, both of my children and all of my grandchildren have shown to me the examples of what I would have hoped them to be. And so, I, you know, I don't have to say anything further uh, at that point. And they still, every day, are showing me that favor, just as you and I are sitting here talking today. And then going back into the professional aspect of it, the things that I'm proud of, um, that I started out with the goal, went to medical school, went to graduate, you know, did my uh, graduate, did my uh, uh, postgraduate training in the field of facial plastic and reconstructive surgery. And I think one of the proudest moments I have is that I didn't gain that information on my own. I was very fortunate to have followed or had been able to, to follow my mentors to give me goals beyond my just my degree. Right. And I realized that what they gave me was something of themselves. And what was so important about that it gave me the impetus that someone else gave that to me. I wanted to give it to someone else. And as a result, I was fortunate that I was selected as a fellowship director of our 
Plastic Surgery Society, and I had 25 fellows over 25 years, a new fellow every year, that gave me the opportunity of giving or sharing with them and to them what someone else had shared with me, a fulfillment that you can't imagine. And the key of why someone would do that is because there's no way you can share and give your teaching to someone else that you don't learn twice as much yourself. Mm -hmm. So with every fellow I had, I learned that much more. And it kept me on the cutting edge of what I wanted to do. And instead of having 53 years, after having one year experience 53 times, right. I had 53 years of experience. And so one of the exciting and, and one of the, the most uh, rewarding things I, I could think of in my professional life mm -hmm. is being able to teach and share with someone else what someone else had given me the opportunity to learn. And so that's where I would separate family life and professional life. And now going a little bit back to the family life, the other desires and the hope that I still have is that I can share with my children and my grandchildren my philosophy of life so that they can carry it on to their children and their children's children. And so far, I have not been disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And it, even what, like sort of what you had said, talking about being able to pass down and that's, that's sort of, I mean, you hit on the head of why this was important to me and why I'm so glad you wanted to even, you know, do this with me because this is something that I've honestly thought about for a long time and I didn't have the platform, I guess, to like, not justify, but have the skill, I guess, to be able to like maneuver this whole concept of a podcast, whatever. But I think that's what's so important that not only are you able to share with other people, but other people recognize the value in listening. And I mean, that's why I'm here. You know, I wanted to hear what you had to say, value what you have to say. And I know that there's so much more that I have to learn from you and from so many things, but I saw an opportunity to be able to learn from you. And I, you know, you it, hit, yeah. And it works both ways. Right. <laughs> I'm learning from you every day. Great, that makes me so happy. <laughs> I mean, the proud, the proud moment of watching you on that stage with oh. getting your degree uh, with uh, magna, magna cum laude, and that's pretty, pretty impressive. Well, thank you. That and, makes me so happy. And, and and then you know, I can say to you, just like you said, you have met my friends and my friends' children. Having met your friends, I can realize how they look to you as being a wonderful person. And Poppy. to be able to Thanks. see that, to see it, what a proud feeling that is for a grandparent. We're just so, we're just so lucky, Poppy. <laughs> Together. Together. Awesome. Okay, so there is one story in particular that I remember you told me, and I don't know if you remember you telling me this, but... We were, I guess you would come over for something, and it was right when you were, maybe you had just gotten your shoulder looked at or something, and you were telling me about 
either there were two stories but they were both along the same lines one of you saying that you had decided not to get the surgery and then the other one talking about how you had a friend you were talking to who was not doing so well and they were both basically both stories ended up at the same sort of conversation do you remember what we were talking do you remember I remember about the shoulder one of the reasons I didn't want to have the shoulder uh, surgery that was recommended you know obviously it wasn't like it was a life-threatening op, uh, operation or or life-threatening uh, disaster that right. I had uh, injured my rotator cuff. But what bothered me was the recovery. It was like six months. Yeah. And I think when you get to be my age of 85, six months is a long time out of your life. And I didn't want to be incapacitated or even... I would be in, incapacitating your grandmother because she would have to be taking care of me, yeah. helping me put on my clothes and, and doing all the other life things you have to do. So right. and the story I told you that I was going to work it out and hopefully it would heal mm -hmm. on its own. And fortunately, knock on wood, it has healed with wound. So that when you do reach the end of your life, which all of us, none of us I should say, are going to be here forever that you want to look back and say, I've done all the things that I can. And when it's my time, I just want to make sure that those I have left behind know that I don't want them grieving because they've been a part of my life and have made it good. And I've done all the things that I wanted to do. And therefore, I would not be uh, left saying, God, I wish I could have done something more. So you want to play it out like that. And when I saw my friend so depressed, I realized that he just never realized what his goals were in life and what his desires were. And to be able to accomplish those, uh, I don't want to ever, I mean, in my life right now, mm -hmm. I've been so fortunate with all the things that I've had I've done, and I want to make sure that those I leave behind look as though I was a good part of their life, knowing it won't be forever, yeah. but I don't want them grieving over the fact that if I had another day, only if I had another day. And the interesting part along those lines, mm -hmm. my dad and I, my father, your great-grandfather, mm -hmm. um, he and I were very close. The interesting part about him, all of us, when he passed away, I, your aunt and your uncle, right. interesting enough, each one of us thought we, he was, we were their, his favorite. <laughs> I mean, that is the truth. We thought we were his favorite. And, you know, to accomplish that, he had to be a, certainly a wonderful person. Mm -hmm. But uh, he unfortunately developed Alzheimer's in the later years of his life. But I will tell you this, I was very fortunate that I was very close to him. And if he had lived another day, another 10 years, I would not have been in a state that I was in that I was complete with him. I had done all the things that he wanted me to do for him. He, he made a bargain with each of us all, that he would pay for our way through school. 
as long as we were in school, he would take care of it. Once we're out, we're on our own. And so we all accomplished that. Mm -hmm. We all went to graduate school. And so I I, I feel that I accomplished for him what he wanted for me. And the same way that I'm saying it with my children. So I I know it's a little morbid to to talk about, uh, you know, not being here. But at the same time, I have been so fortunate to have had all the wonderful things in my life. And I know I'll have a lot more, but I'll never be in a situation where I will say, I wish I could have done this or done that. And your grandmother has been part of making it that way. Your mother and your father have made it that way. Your uh, aunt and your uncle have made it that way. And your brothers and have made it that way as well, and your cousins. So I feel very, very fortunate that uh, if I reach an eternal state, I can't say that I haven't had a wonderful life. That's amazing. And I so, it's my least favorite topic. I don't like to think about that. (laughs) But I know when you had told me that originally, I was like, that is, that's, I mean, that's all you can hope to hear. You know, and I guess all anybody could hope that they feel when, you know, reaching their old age. But I think that's so important that people hear. And I hope that resonates with everyone who's listening. Well, that's great. Um, I think it's a great note to, to end on. But before we go, you and Mana have, you went and visited me when I studied abroad in Barcelona. We had an amazing time. We went to Madrid. I know you and Mana have had amazing travels in your life. And I just want to know what your favorite place is that you've ever been, your favorite vacation or any place you've ever traveled. I, you know, traveling is is really a uh, uh, kind of a, a, a word that encompasses a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You know, some people can go to downtown Atlanta and that's traveling. Right. Other people can go around the world and that's traveling. Uh, we've been very fortunate that we have this lake house up in North Georgia. And that, to me, has been just an incredible, incredible refuge. And I don't look at it the same as traveling around the world. But I think that probably one of the, one of the most fun trips that I ever took was when I was in the Army. Mm-hmm. And... I arranged to have what they call TDY, temporary duty, off. Mm -hmm. Uh, And your mother and I, I mean your grandmother and I, went to Spain on a, what's called a MAT flight, military air transport. And the reason it was so much fun, it cost us $1.19. And that was because we had to buy a box lunch on the plane. <laughs> but that was, and that was probably one of our very first travels. But I can't give up the other idea that our honeymoon, where we went to Jamaica, that was an incredible experience. Uh, we were just by ourselves, and we just, you met people that you still remember to this day. And, um, but those are the kinds of things that, that you uh, look upon. 
And, you know, we've been fortunate to have some other, other trips. But the thing that I enjoy most about these trips is the fact that the two of us can do it together. And we share the same kind of feelings. The last trip we took uh, before we went to Madrid to visit you, or Barcelona, uh, is we took a cruise up the Atlanta, Atlantic coast. And I think I would probably travel much more today if the world was in a little better situation. Yeah. I, I, I just feel, without getting political, I just feel we're in a very tough situation right now. Yeah. And the world stability, I think, is, is uh, shaky mm-hmm. based on uh, the, my life as a youngster growing older and seeing this change. So long-distance travel right now is not one of those high-on-my-list-of-things-to-do. High not that we haven't enjoyed it, but the few trips that we've taken, fortunately, they've all been very good. Uh, and we were thinking of going down to um, Punta Cana in September, you know, next month. Yeah. Uh, not next month, in December. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we still may do that. Mm-hmm. It's just a question of uh, getting another couple to go with us. Yeah. Or maybe two couples. Yeah. And golf is part of it, so we right. want to have the two couples. And uh, unfortunately, uh, my I've got a little twitch in my back right now that I'm working on. Right. So I'm not going to make that a definite we're going. But we're, we're getting there. We're, we're hopefully that the back will be well and we'll be back on yeah. our golf trip in, in December down to Punta Cana. But the travel, the, the, the travel um, that is so exciting to, to Manana is when we go on these trips meeting new people. Uh, it's, it's, you know, where you're going is important. Absolutely. But we like to meet new people that are traveling for the same reason we are, to have fun and so forth. Well, my laptop's almost dead, and I I feel like we could honestly talk for hours and hours and never run out of things to say, but, you know, unfortunately we are at the mercy of my laptop. But thank you again for, you know, taking the time. I'm so excited to listen back to this, and I'm so excited for everyone else to get to hear this, you know. I feel like it would be selfish if I was the only one that got to hear all your stories and everything. So. Since I'm over, I get the last words. So yes, take, I, yes, you have I the floor. Thank, I get I to get thank, thank you. Thank you for sharing your time, coming over here and doing this. You have no idea what a great thrill it's been for me. I love you. I love you so much. All right. Amazing. All right, well, bye, everybody. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you next week. Bye. Oh, you're too funny. You're too funny.